it's another episode of Sports Yak Podcast. Who types this stuff? Just run it, hit play, hear it, get it done with. I'm Jim Shorts. I'm an icon. The class of 2019 Indiana Sports Writer and Sportscasters Hall of Famer Chuck Freebie. And the other butt monkey. Who cares? Hit the subscribe button. I'd hate to miss a second of this junk. Sports Yak, the podcast. Now that's good. Now turn it off. Recorded live. You know, at the time of uh, recording. You're listening to the Hot Takeout Podcast, the only podcast with a 30 minutes or less guarantee, or it's free. And now your host, Chad Bradley. Can I take your order? Another week, another podcast. My name is Chad Bradley, host of the Hot Takeout Podcast, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. And you can find your favorite podcast at www.spreaker.com forward slash Studio DNA. Don't do the backslash because the backslash will not get you to where you need to go. My guest this week is Clay Finnesand, and on top of having a fun name to say, he's part of several amazing projects, one being North Point Inside Out, a worship group out of Atlanta. He also has his own side project under his name, which I highly recommend you check out when you have the time, maybe even after you listen to this podcast. Now, just before the conversation gets started, fun fact, he and I have lived in the same part of the world, even know some of the same places. And I tried to troll him at the start of the conversation by purposefully saying that part of the world wrong. Enjoy. I can't help but notice the 502 number, uh, leaning that you're from Louisville, Kentucky. That's the one. Wow. Okay. Have you, so have you been to Louisville before? You... I lived there for a while. I lived there for three and a half, four years. Oh, no way. What part? Uh, uh, well, let's see here. Um, I lived on Bardstown Road. I worked at Mall of St. Matthews. I went to Boyce College. I worked at UPS. Like all of the Louisville things, I did. Wow. And I tried to troll you when I first started and said Louisville because nobody from Louisville actually calls it Louisville or Louisville. They actually get really annoyed if you call it Louisville. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got you to gotta say it like you got a mouthful of, of a hot brown or something. <laughs> Mashed potatoes. I had to explain it to somebody. I said, if you, if you say it like you're saying the name Lou... And the shape oval, and you say those together, that's basically how you say Louisville, like you're from Louisville. Um, I've never heard that, but it's pretty accurate. It's helpful. It's it's an out-of-towner's guide to visiting. So, Did you grow up there? Yeah, I actually grew up on uh, right off of Hurstbourne, if you know, like Hurstbourne Parkway. Yeah. In Plainview. Awesome. I, lo- I think I lived off of Hurstbourne in Fern Creek for a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hurstbourne, I always forget how, how huge it is. Um, yeah, it goes the whole state of Kentucky. Right? And Shelbyville Road, you can pretty much cover most of your bases, and you know, in Bardstown Road too. Um, so you, so you lived there for a little while. Where do you live now? Well, I just moved from Kansas City, Missouri, where they have phenomenal barbecue, to Port here on Michigan, the city by the bay. So, to where Portland? <laughs> yeah, Port here on Michigan, which is just about an hour. N- northeast of Detroit, right on the southernmost part of Lake Huron, right where it funnels into uh, the St. Clair River. Oh, cool. Let me make sure I'm saying your last name right. It's Finisand? You nailed it. Perfect. And how many people don't nail it? Most people just start to say it and then they get discouraged and they give up. They're really confident that the, they're confident about the thin part. And then once it gets past that, 
the train kind of falls apart. So when I introduce myself to people, I definitely I'll over enunciate it the first time and say Finisand. But when I just think of my last name, I just say Finisand and I say it real fast. So sometimes if I'm with somebody who knows me for who's known me for a while and I'm introducing myself, they think that they've been saying my name wrong because I'm over enunciating it. So really, I'm just causing confusion and panic for everyone. But you got it right. Well, I only got it right because I, I watched an interview of you saying your name like seven times. And I was like, Finisand, Finisand, Finisand. So overprepare, they say. <laughs> it's just me saying my last name. Yeah, it was just kind of a creeper style loop that I put it on because I, I get paranoid about those things. <laughs> like while you're asleep, just to make sure you say it right. Finisand. Uh, it does sound kind of creepy when you say it that way. Um, so you are currently... Pretty, yeah, really hard. <laughs> you would think so, but still, somehow doctors mess it up. Really? Yeah, I'll. Uh, not even kidding. I'll go to in, go into a doctor's office, and my name is Chad Bradley, and they'll look at the chart and they'll go, "So, Brad, what's the problem?" I don't know if you can't read my name off of a piece of paper. I don't know if I trust your diagnosis here. Yeah, immediately I have. I'm like, all right, I need a new doctor. I'm going to go to the Minute Clinic at CVS. They're probably more capable. <laughs> CVS. Funny story, I actually grew up with an animosity towards CBS. Um, <laughs> Do tell. My mom worked at Walgreens. She was a pharmacist at Walgreens. And so we had a, we had a family rivalry with CBS. And they always have those doors that open kind of odd, and then there's carpet in there. And so <laughs> I've always had a built-in distrust for CBS for whatever reason. Now, now since I've, I've been to CBS, and they're fine, great people, great service, but uh, it took me a while to get there. It's like the people that are like that pit in and out against Whataburger and they're like, one's better. Oh, yeah. I, I've got a friend from Texas and he he sings the praises of Whataburger, which apparently just got sold and now it's not a family business anymore. Now it's, uh, it's going to be franchised out. So if you've wanted Whataburger but didn't want to go to Texas, you're in luck. Maybe the good news is they're going to fix it now because Whataburger's terrible. I'm kidding. I've I've never, <laughs> I've actually never had it, so I can't. I just I just say that to get a rile out of people. Honestly, I'm not I'm not a huge I'm not a huge Whataburger fan. The only thing that they really got going for them, I think, is that honey butter chicken biscuit. Okay, come on. Yep. That that right there is a slice of manna, but I don't get it very you, often. So if you put the words honey butter and just and honey butter and on anything like any restaurant. That's a slam dunk. I'm gonna I'm gonna order it and I'm gonna be happy about it. It's a slam dunk. Yeah, I think more restaurants need to start including it. I mean Texas Roadhouse. They got that cinnamon butter, right? Yeah, it's it's a honey cinnamon butter, which by the way, I worked at the Texas Roadhouse in Louisville off of off of Dutchman, which is no longer there. They 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 burned it to the ground. Um but I worked there, so yeah. Loved uh love me some cinnamon butter from there. Uh but yeah, any any place you can put honey, butter, and and then you just fill in the blanks. It could be honey butter fish. I don't even like fish. I would eat the fish if it had honey butter on it. I mean, yeah, why not? I think maybe if you wanted to, you know, diversify, you know, some income, you just make your own brand of honey butter and start selling it out of the garage. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of ideas, Brad, for you. <laughs> I like what you did there. Whataburger, In-N-Out, big fans. I'm sure their burgers are fine. I, I'm I'm more of like a classic. Like I, I really like the the Wendy's single combo burger with lettuce, tomato, pickle, a mayo, mustard, ketchup. The whole the whole nine. And like the we put this 
subpar thin piece of meat on two buns and let you put everything else on it. I, I'm not I'm not into it. I'm sure people love it, but that's that's me. I'm I'm not a fan. Uh quick question. Are you a sweet tea drinker being in the South? Um, you know, I wish I was, but I don't drink a lot of sweet tea. I love sweet tea from time to time. Um but I don't drink a lot of um really sweet drinks. So Mountain Dew is out? Mountain Dew's out, yeah, unfortunately. It's pretty sad. You know, an occasional code red is a nice treat, but not a lot of sweet tea, not a lot of soda. Um, I used to think LaCroix, you know, sparkling water was terrible, but I've since been fully converted. And uh, now I'm a gigantic fan of, like, Bubbly, and which is the, I think, the Publix brand of LaCroix. So, <laughs> so what you're saying is you have an awful palate now? Yeah, a terrible palate. What happens is I wake up, and it's an addiction. I wake up, and it's like 30 seconds awake, and I'm already cracking the LaCroix. Probably not a good good thing. I probably need to need to move on from that one. But We'll see Clay on, uh, on My Strange Addiction, where you're just like snorting bubbly, and you're like, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I have really strong withdrawal symptoms. I was going to get your opinion on uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're teaming up with Mountain Dew to get their own special drink, kind of like what Taco Bell did for a very long time with Baja Blast, which also terrible drink, terrible, terrible drink, in my opinion. They're coming out with Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning, which is a honey. They they actually say that it tastes like sweet tea. No, KSC is clinging on to, they're on their last leg. I was thinking the other day, actually, about restaurants that I that I can't believe are still in business because I've never... I've never once had a conversation with somebody who said, hey, hold on, I'll be right back. I got to run into KFC and get my food. (laughs) I've also never heard somebody say, hey, man, I'm pretty hungry. What do you think about picking up some Long John Silvers? It's never happened. (laughs) So I I can't believe that, especially Long John Silvers, it's always attached to a KFC. I feel like they're always sharing the same building because they both teamed up. They were both going, look. We're going out of business. You're going out of business. Maybe we'll just both pay the rent. So as long as we sell one piece of fried fish and maybe one piece of chicken, we can keep this thing afloat. It's like the high school reunion that you go to and you're like, okay, that that makes sense that you two got together. <laughs> you know, I always thought you guys were both really average. <laughs> that's that's oh, the high school reunion. Really hurtful. But not like the Christian school that you went to, right? I actually did go to a Christian school. <laughs> and I was actually homeschooled, so I have no idea what like a reunion is like other than going home. So I uh, I kind of just had like a a little bit of a reunion. I was just singing in um in a my childhood best friend's wedding two weeks ago, and so I went back to Louisville, and um, a bunch of kids that graduated high school with were all there. It's kind of an out of body experience. I was like, I didn't think I was going to see you guys probably ever, but here we are. All of this wedding. All of these terrible memories coming back, just flashing before my... <laughs> it was quite the experience, so it wasn't the reunion I hoped for or needed, but we had it anyways. That explains like 75% of life. <laughs> wasn't planning on it, wasn't hoping for it, but here we are. That's kind of true. So Clay, tell me about your musical journey. You're currently in North Point, Inside Out, and you you lived in Louisville, and now you live in... Georgia? That's right, yeah. Yeah, how did, how did you get to where you've gone? Great question. Um, so basically, 
when I was in high school, the the beginnings of this are all very funny. I I had been singing and writing songs. I started writing songs in second grade as a part of a um as a school project. Our teacher asked us to write a poem or a song or do you know something creative about Easter, and so um, I ended up writing this little poem song called He Is Risen. Apparently, I don't remember how it happened, but I all I remember is from that point until a week or so later, our entire, my entire second grade, not just my class, but like all of the second grade was singing He Is Risen for the parents for some, you know, Easter function that we were doing. And, uh, and I didn't think of it as writing a song because I was just always humming along and, you know, making stuff up. But that was kind of a moment where I thought, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. Everybody's singing something that I made up and um, kept on, you know, writing. And I was writing songs about stuff that after that I was writing songs about stuff that I had no experience with. I wrote this one song about like, I had such a hard life and I was moving so often and, you know, like basically like a song you would imagine uh, a preacher's kid or a military kid to be writing, except I had lived in the same house my whole life. <laughs> the struggle is real. Yeah, just so hard and uh, making up stuff like that. And it, it had kind of just been like a, you know, a pastime thing. And so I was in high school and um, the worship pastor at church um, helped me kind of start getting involved after I had uh, been singing a Rihanna song <laughs> in a classroom at school. And uh, somebody came in the classroom and overheard it and was like, hey, you should be a part of the worship team, which is what I always say now to anybody singing Rihanna. <laughs> they ended up, uh, you know, getting me in the, like, circle to volunteer. Of course, there was more than just, can you sing Rihanna? They, you know, they were checking to make sure, you know, that I love Jesus and that. Here's this single from Stephen Curtis Chapman. Can you sing this? Yeah, th that was my audition song was For the Sake of the Call. So, <laughs> we will abandon. Nailed it. We can't ever forget that one. So, so the, um, the worship pastor at the church for, for youth um, took me out to lunch, and he, he ended up mentoring me throughout high school. And um, in high school is kind of where songwriting became definitely more of a thing. And uh, I, would, I would write songs for because we had chapel at, my, at the Christian school. I would write songs for our class. I would, you know, hear stuff about stuff different students in my class were going through and then end up writing a song about it. And for me, it was always a way to pray. I would come home and uh, I had this piano and would just sit down and put up a Bible, you know, above where, you know, where you would typically put sheet music and open it to the Psalms and then just sing it, like sing the Psalms until I would go off the rails and just like sing my own words which was just kind of a way where I didn't know how to do the rehearsed prayer thing or, you know, make it sound polished. It just it felt like an effortless way for me to receive God's grace and to basically offer up my heart to him. And um, so that's kind of where it started and then ended up going to college uh, at study biblical studies, mostly because I, I didn't I didn't I knew I didn't want to be a pastor uh, in, a, in the full sense. And I wasn't even positive I wanted to lead worship. I just kind of wanted, I basically was like, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really good at anything. I don't really have a huge desire to study engineering. And uh, I feel like maybe uh, biblical studies might be helpful for me later in life about just living well. At the time, there was a worship, you know, worship team at the school that offered scholarships. So I was trying to get on that, ended up getting on that. And from there, 
this is a, if this is all jumbled or confusing at any point, feel free to ask any questions. But no, man, you're 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 good. I I did want to stop you real fast and say it's kind of an interesting an interesting concept. You you said that you wanted to go to school for for biblical studies because you didn't think you were good at anything, and so you wanted to study biblical studies. I literally just had a conversation with a musician last week. Uh, we were just kind of having this 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 real conversation about life, and he said, "Yeah, I just never felt like." I was good at anything. And so I feel like I'm almost even cheating the system with my music. Music was so natural to him and he enjoyed music so much that he didn't feel like that was real work. And on the flip side of that, the, the world I'm in, radio and podcasts and all that, that stuff feels feels so natural to me. It doesn't feel like real work. And so it's easy for me to go, man, I'm I'm working the system. And because of that, I'm kind of getting away with something. But in the reality is like God gave people talents and abilities to, to where you, you're really good at those. Not everybody is really good at music. Not everybody is really good at math. Not everybody's really good at uh, looking at a problem and going, oh, I can figure out how to build this building and, and make it structurally sound. God gives people talents and abilities, and it's really easy. And I think this is one of those things the devil takes and runs with, is he creates doubt in your strengths so that you don't do what God has called you to do. And so I just kind of look at that and I go, I hear people, I, I'm starting to see this thread where people go, well, I'm not really good at anything. I'm like, but you're amazing at this. You're amazing at what you're doing. Yeah, but... Oh yeah, it's just easy for me. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you. Cool, it's easy for you, but it's not easy for me. I couldn't do what you do. I want to write music. I want to perform music, but I can't. So I talk to people that can. <laughs> That's really <laughs> fascinating and a great perspective. Yeah, because I never want to minimize what what God has given me. In fact, the other day I was somebody was asking me about my songwriting process, and I was trying to explain it to him. And it, and I thought it I thought it was the most simple thing in the world and I realized after like 30 seconds that they had no idea what I was talking about and uh they were like so wait you don't like write down sheet music I was like no it's all instinct you just uh, hum and I scat and find a word and run with it and they were like what are you talking about and uh, I was like okay so maybe this isn't because like I said you know like that song in second grade I, I didn't even think of it as songwriting or some some kind of thing to do. It was just that was natural. Yeah. So yeah, you're right, and I'm I'm thankful that God has given me that, and which and that's why the biblical studies was also because uh, you know I write pop music as well, um, but for as far as stuff for for Christian music and for worship music, I wanted to basically make sure or have like a a basic understanding of hermeneutics, and so that when I was writing worship music, I wasn't just writing stuff that might have felt good, but that wasn't true. Or I wanted to have a good understanding of theology going into it. Cause I know this is just a mini soapbox real quick. When I was in college, I knew a lot of people who were trying to be worship leaders and, uh, and a lot of them were talented singers and not in a, in a, in a way that's disrespectful to them. Uh, a lot of them just didn't have any desire for depth and, and understanding or theology or which basically ended up meaning that they were great singers, but they didn't have any authority when they were trying to lead people and take care of people because they didn't have a mm. they, they didn't have roots in their heart. So I just I just remember the Lord teaching me. Um, and funny enough, I the first time I auditioned, actually the first two times I auditioned to be a part of that worship team, I didn't make it. And it was after the second time is when I ended up switching my degree um, to biblical studies. And I remember God very clearly teaching me to worship him in my dorm room, you know, 
with the door closed, not on a stage, not in front of anybody, just to learn what it's like to offer him something and to let him be my satisfaction instead of, this is kind of a, a cheesy saying, but I think it's super true that people say is you lead from a place of affirmation, not for it. You're not leading for affirmation. So when you yeah. get up to lead people, you don't need anything from them as far as, of course, we all need each other in community, but when you're leading somebody in a Sunday morning, you don't need them to clap for you. You know what I mean? To feel like you're validated. You already have your validation. And more importantly, you're doing, you're doing it out of love for them and compassion for them, not selfishly needing them to boost your ego or something. But I love what you said, and I'm really grateful that God has given you had the gift that he's given you because you have an ability to reach people in ways that I would think are extremely challenging or draining, but for you, they're life-giving and so many people have been touched by it. So that's really cool. I appreciate you saying that. So having been turned down by the the worship team a couple of times, do you ever go back and you're like, (laughs) you guys turned me down just to keep it humble? (laughs) No, Uh, (laughs) they were right. They, They were right to turn me down when they did. Um, and uh, I wasn't ready. I was young, and um, and uh, it ended up being the best thing for me because I had come out of high school leading a lot, and, and so at my church in high school, I was kind of known as the worship leader guy. So when I got to college, to be turned down and to have time where that wasn't a part of my identity for a year was really, really helpful. So I'm glad they turned me down. And then, and then of course, when I did get on the team, uh, I learned so much, and I. It was kind of like my my cutting the teeth years. We did 15-passenger van, like old 15-passenger vans where the seats were all caved in because they had been sat on for, you know, 30 years. (laughs) And uh, going, we're doing D-Nows every weekend. And for people who don't know what a D-Now is, it's, you know, uh, uh, Friday night sessions, two on Saturday, one on Sunday that you do for youth and um, just like a weekend retreat. And I would do those every weekend, and then during the summer would do nine weeks of summer camps where, you know, it could be a camp in the middle of nowhere with 15 kids and their free time. This is not a joke. One of the camps, the free time, was painting a real-life horse. <laughs> so we were we were doing some crazy stuff uh, for a long time. And uh, so all that to say, um, at the end of my time, um, or towards the end of my time, I, I got a call from one of the creative directors down at North Point in Atlanta asking me to come down, and my mind was absolutely blown. I came down and saw people that weren't painting horses, and uh, it wasn't in the middle of nowhere, and I was like, how is this possible? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I came down. I visited North Point for the first time My going into my senior year at, at Liberty, which is where I went to school. They brought me down. Uh, I came and just helped with a Sunday. Uh, Inside Out is the name of um, – some people ask about our name, North Point Inside Out. Uh, Inside Out is just the name of our high school ministry. And so the, the band actually started out of the high school ministry, and now it, it doesn't – it's not just for the high school. It's for our whole church and for, for anybody. But that's kind of where it started. So I came down for the first time, lighted an inside out, and just clicked almost immediately with the people here and felt like we had known each other. Thankfully, it was mutual, and it wasn't just me thinking, man, I love you guys. And they were like, get this guy out of here. But 
we clicked pretty fast and um, came back a few times throughout my senior year. And then uh, after that, made my way on down. I mean, on top of being a part of that, you said you write pop music. You kind of do your own thing. Yeah, I've, I've been poking around Spotify and it's it's really solid. Um, I've noticed that, and I'm going to say this with all love and respect because I don't care. Uh, I've noticed it's not leaning in like the religious side of the world. It's not uh, w- w- Christian focused for lack yep. of a better term, um, which I think is phenomenal, by the way. I really, I really do. I, I know for the longest time, people that I interacted with as a kid, it was, if it wasn't blatantly Christian, throw it out. I had a friend that I actually went to school with in Louisville who would, uh, we're listening to like the top 40 station pop or whatever. He would go, can you, can you change this channel? Because I only listen to Christian music. And I was like, oh, oh okay. So uh, what about movies? Uh, well, I was like, because we just went to an R-rated movie last night that was definitely not a Christian movie. Uh, and so what I appreciate is people that are creating art with their gifts that God has given them. I, I tell my, my six-year-old daughter, she's really interested in, in God music. She wants to know if, you know, every song that we listen to, is this a God song? And I'll say no. And she goes, well, why are we listening to it? And I said, well, we can appreciate art because we know who gave that person their talents and their abilities. Obviously, content is a big thing. I'm not going to let my six-year-old listen to something terrible, but good art is good art. I, I know who gave them their talents and their abilities, and I know that even if they don't know it, I know that their skills came from God and their abilities came from God. So we can appreciate things that came from God, whether they know that they're using it or not for God. So I, I appreciate people that are Christians that are creating good art whether or not it's Christian art, it's like it's like when did the song accept Jesus as as its savior? You know, <laughs> when did this song become Christian? Exactly, you said it best. It's all for me. It's all coming out of the same heart that has been born again and renewed by Jesus. So, and and a lot of times those songs come really naturally. And so instead of running from those things or being afraid of those things, I treat that as God's image in me being reflected into the world. And all truth belongs to God. And if he's the author of love and of beauty, then why would we shy away from those things or deem them unclean when they're really not unclean? It's the same principle like Jesus when he's talking to me. I think, you know, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and is basically clarifying, it's not what goes into the body that makes you unclean, but what comes out. And so for me, if I'm writing pop music, obviously, if I'm saying anything derogatory or alluding to anything just impure, I don't think that's God-honoring. But I think there's a void of pop music that can speak to things from a renewed place that is honoring to God. And so I, I love being a part of that. And it's crazy, man. I get all kinds of messages and emails and texts from people who are like, for example, actually last night, I just went to a restaurant and uh, the waiter was asking me what I did. And I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a singer songwriter. And he's like, Oh, cool. Where, you know, is your music anywhere? And I told him it was on Spotify and he went in the back and listened to a song or two, came back. And next thing you know, we're talking about his story and his, his parents and how they got a divorce and they live, one lives in Louisiana, one lives in Texas and he goes back and forth and he sent me a, a message after that. So, it's it's a way for me to get to meet people who might otherwise be immediately turned away if I start talking about church music, but I get an opportunity and a voice with them, which ultimately leads to talking about Jesus and leads to talking about transformation. 
So I, it's been an it's been an awesome opportunity, and I'm I'm grateful that I get to do it. And I'm, sometimes it's been pop songs that have most awakened, you know, my affection for for Christ, which is crazy. But it's both of them have been really instrumental in my walk with God. That's awesome. We we attended a church when we lived in Kansas City. Uh, it was a campus of Life Church with Craig Grishel, and oh, yeah. one of their philosophies is they will do anything short of sin to yep. reach people. And I love that, man. Like when you think about like, okay, I'm not sinning. So really like <laughs> there are no filters at that point. Like bring anybody you can in to hear the gospel, bring everyone you can this yes. good news that their life has meaning and purpose and that they, despite their failure are completely forgiven of everything. And no matter what they do today, tomorrow, a hundred years from now, like God is God today and he's, he's consistent and he loves them and he's bringing. So why not, why not use everything in our means to reach people, whether it's exactly not sanctioned Christian music or not sanctioned Christian events or not sanctioned Christian entertainment, whatever it is, I don't care. I want to reach people with the good news of Jesus and not so that they, they have to live right but because they can know the satisfaction that the wholeness that jesus gives them and everything else is a result of i'm not trying to fix behavior first i'm not trying to fix what they do first i'm trying to introduce them to who they are in christ and i think that that is the most important thing worry about everything else later lifestyle whatever worry about everything else later introduce them to jesus and his love for them period yeah let let jesus do the transformation we're we're really bad at that he can take care of all that other stuff. Yeah, be with you. Can you give me a quick synopsis of that song? Yeah, falling for you. Yeah, what what's the what's the background? Wife, Taco Bell. What's what what made you write that song? Well, uh, I had just been writing uh, a bunch of um, a bunch of worship songs actually, and uh, had kind of gotten to a. Uh, I was in a little bit of a writing rut where I was like, man, I don't. I feel like I've expressed everything that I need to right now, and then I was. A humming around my house, just this little summer sounding melody that I didn't think would be a worship song. So I sent it over to my friend Brandon and um, I asked him if he would want to write just like a fun little pop love song um, for the summer. So we got together and uh, he was thinking about his wife and I was thinking about this girl that he was trying to set me up with. And uh, <laughs> next thing you know, we just wrote a fun, it's a sweet little love song for the summer. So. That's pretty much awesome. it. We went to the we went to the park and wrote it outside in the park so to capture all the the outdoor vibe. That's super cool. Well, I you know, I jammed out to a lot of your stuff on Spotify. Super solid. Obviously, really enjoy what you're doing with North Point. Appreciate your time, man. Appreciate who you are. You know, the more and more I get to know some of some folks that are in have their fingerprints on the Christian music industry, I realize how blessed we are. And not to use hashtag blessed, uh, but uh, <laughs> really just. Some real people, man. Like, you know, I think we're coming to a place musically and uh, relationally with our with our industry that 
you don't have to be a perfect person writing a perfect song. I think it's okay to write songs that express and highlight your brokenness and your need for a savior and where you're struggling and what you're struggling with right now. I mean, talking with you is it's 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 really exciting to see where things are going and who is influencing it. So, dude, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Chad, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm grateful to be a part of this. This is an awesome community, and I can't wait to see what Jesus continues to do with what you're doing, and I'm glad I get to be a part of it. And then you subscribe to the podcast, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, and rate, and those things really go a long way. It makes it easier for other people to find it. It makes it easier for more people to listen, and when more people listen and the podcast becomes more popular, two things happen. We get better guests, and we've already had some amazing guests, but we get better guests and more people hear about awesome music and really good news. So do me a favor, follow on social media, just search Hot Takeout Podcast, share your favorite episode, subscribe wherever you listen, and then rate and comment however and wherever you're listening. <laughs>